CBS sets an earlier premiere date. IGN chats with the cast. And we finish watching Smallville. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. And I'm Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're going to wrap up our thoughts on Smallville's Supergirl, played by Laura Vandevoort. But first off, we have... The News. We no longer need to wait until November to see the Supergirl pilot on CBS. Yay! (laughs) Uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, Supergirl will now take flight on Monday, October 26th at 8.30 p.m. following The Big Bang Theory. And then the next week on Monday, November 2nd, it'll begin at its regular time of 8 p.m. Yeah, I'm really curious as to why they did it this way. I, I can understand that like following The Big Bang Theory is a very smart move just because The Big Bang Theory is so huge. Uh, but it is kind of weird that they broke it up like that. But then at the same time, time slots, as we've spoken about before, don't really matter anymore because everybody has DVR. So I yeah. guess I guess it won't be too jarring to have one week it start at 8.30 and another, like the next week start at 8 p.m. So um, hopefully this Big Bang Theory uh, situation will pay off for the pilot. And it definitely... Um well, it might have something to do with the Big Bang Theory's schedule. Like, I don't know what episode that would be for the Big Bang Theory, because it might have something to do more with that show and how they're. Oh, maybe so. But who knows? I'm just glad that uh, not only that Supergirl is coming a little bit earlier, but that it is getting like an early time slot. Like it's it's like the first primetime show on Monday nights on CBS, which is is really cool. Um, it'll allow you know families to watch it, and it kind of shows a lot of confidence that, that, that they consider Supergirl a good lead-in show. Agreed. Well, in other TV time slot news, according to KryptonSite.com, Canada's global television has announced that Supergirl will join its lineup in November, where the show will air on Mondays at 8 p.m. So uh, Canada gets to watch it too, although I don't know if the change on CBS will affect... Uh, they're viewing if they're going to have like an 8.30 time slot the first week in the 8 p.m. And I, I couldn't find information to confirm whether or not that would be the same, but it looks like Canada will also be able to watch it Mondays at 8 p.m. Yeah, and it says that they're starting in November there, so it sounds like the the decisions might not have anything to do with each other because right, um, right. they're going to be starting to watch it a little bit later anyway. Well, IGN.com uh, caught up with Melissa Benoist, Kyler Lee, and McCad Brooks at CBS's Upfront event and posted their interviews on June 12th. When Melissa was asked why Kara didn't leap into be- being a superhero like her cousin, she explained, quote, 
I think part of her thinks Earth already has a hero. It's been 24 years, and she comes to Earth, and Superman, who was a baby then, is now grown and is Earth's hero, and she kind of feels like she won't live up to what he's created for himself, end quote. About her character of Alex Danvers and what she thought about Kara taking a big new step with her abilities, Kyler Lee said that Alex is, quote, very concerned about it because now she's put herself out in the public so that the public could identify her, and then it becomes a big threat and an issue just for safety purposes and whatnot. You come to learn a lot about my character and what she does and who she really is and how it correlates to where Supergirl is right now and how it's really super bad timing. And she, mm-hmm. she sort of laughs in the interview. She's like, I didn't mean to say super like that. So uh, it looks like Kyler Lee does the same kind of pun. <laughs> <I think laughs> we- she has the same pun issues that we do. <laughs> nice. It, nobody's immune. Um, when Makad Brooks was asked about what advice James would give to Supergirl, he responded, quote, Like any good mentor, I think you step back and you allow someone to be who they are, and then you tweak if they ask for advice. Uh, sounds like he's, he's a good mentor. You don't want to give it unsolicited advice. Mm-hmm. Um, he went on to say, quote, Superman asked my character to come and watch over his cousin, who he cares about very much, and help her re- reach her potential. So it isn't about me, as it's I'm a tool to help her get there, uh, end quote. Which is something I think that we've expressed concern about as we've been, you know, reading and watching a lot of Supergirl lately is whether or not Kara gets to be her own person or whether she has a bunch of people kind of meddling and interfering and, you know, kind of guiding her a little too much about the hero she's supposed to be. Jeff Johns talked to IGN.com about comparisons of the Supergirl trailer to the Saturday Night Live Black Widow movie spoof, saying, quote, everyone deserves to have a reaction, but at the end of the day, I believe in the pilot, I believe in the show. When people see the pilot, they're going to be blown away, unquote. He also compared the reaction to Supergirl to reaction to The Flash when fans first saw his suit <laughs> and the reaction to the suggestion that they were going to have Gorilla Grodd on the show, mentioning that the plans they have for Supergirl will be, quote, in the same vein, unquote, as Gorilla <laughs> Grodd. So it seems like they won't be shying away from the zanier, more comic booky aspects of the character and her history, which I think is really cool. Definitely. Um, Johns went on to talk about what he's most excited about with the CBS series, saying, quote, I think the greatest thing about the Supergirl show we're working on, and the thing I'm most proud of, is it embodies the character and the Superman mythology in a really strong, accessible way that I think carries at least the tone and the spirit with what we've done with The Flash. And Melissa Benoist is an amazing Supergirl and Cara Danvers. I'm just excited for people to see it. Uh, He's also excited for girls to see it because, quote, we're so overdue for a female-centric superhero show that's really good. (laughs) Interview Magazine recently featured Melissa Benoist. In it, she talks about her flight training, and we've kind of heard her say these things before. She was quoted as saying, quote, you have to hold your entire body weight up with just your abs, sometimes while suspended 30 feet in the air, unquote. And that training works, quote, the muscles you really don't want to work, <laughs> unquote. And in terms of how Melissa is playing Kara Zorel, she said, quote, I wanted her to be someone who is eccentric and messed up and makes a lot of mistakes, unquote. And she describes Kara as, quote, more human than alien, unquote. And it's, I'm, I'm glad she's playing it that way because uh, I feel like sometimes, well, we're going to talk about Smallville, you know, now where it seems like the alien part kind of takes over a little bit. Um, 
but we'll get to that later. Um, well, and I also like that she mentions that Kara makes a lot of mistakes, and I think we've seen that, especially in the comics that we've been reading. I think sometimes we see Kara kind of mess up and have to go back and try to fix something that she's screwed up, and I think that's kind of pretty true to the character. And uh, Comics Continuum uh, interviewed Dean Kane about his upcoming role on Supergirl. Uh, and we're excited that he's a part of the show, too. Um, he said, quote, I think Melissa Benoist is perfectly cast. She has a great humility about her. And she has that super thing where you're, like, rooting for her. That's an intangible thing. And she has it. I think it's going to do very, very well. Dean Kane also spoke with comicbookresources.com about how much he might appear on CBS's Supergirl. He told them, quote, I'll be in it as much as they will have me. I'll be very happy to show up on that set every day. It's just a matter of how much Greg Berlanti and the producers want to expand that role as time goes on, unquote. He also confirmed speculations about his role when he said that his character, quote, has to be there because he is her father on Earth. So we do have some confirmation that he seems to be Kara's foster father. Mm. Dean said, we're scientists, so we'll be able to interject things here and there. It's going to be fun. I just don't know how much they are going to do. There's nothing set in stone, unquote. And I want to say this is the first time we've heard that the Danvers are scientists. I, yeah, that's I, new information. I don't remember reading that anywhere else. Because we knew, we knew um, Alex was. Right, right. So this, uh, this may be where they get some of the crazier things that happen, sort of like on The Flash with Star Labs. I, I can assume that uh, the science aspect of it will kind of help spur some stories. So that's kind of an interesting development. Yeah, and I kind of wonder if uh, the parents have any connection to the organization that Alex is working for, mm. um, whether they're former employees of their current or, you know, how they feel about that organization as scientists. Well, to move on to a different aspect of the show, uh, Variety interviewed costume designer Colleen Atwood about the Supergirl costume for Melissa Benoist. And she said, quote, I feel like there's a real love for Americana with Supergirl, and I really wanted to embrace that heart of women. When I read the script, I was just blown away by how strong it was, and I wanted the character to have a strength and a presence of self without a bunch of stuff, end quote. And I think that does come through in the, in the costume, how, in, in its simplicity, and it's, you know, there's nothing too flashy about it or gaudy. It's, 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 it's really simple and sleek and cool looking. Mm-hmm. Well, TVLine.com reported details about Supergirl's presence at this year's San Diego Comic-Con. On Wednesday, July 8th, Preview Night will feature the world premiere screening of the Supergirl pilot. And on Saturday, July 11th, Warner Brothers Television and DC Entertainment will host a three-hour super experience called Superhero Saturday Night that includes a screening of Supergirl followed by a Q&A with stars and producers. So it sounds like some really cool stuff is going to happen for Supergirl at uh, San Diego Comic-Con this year. I know, and the messed up thing is is that it's happening on my birthday and I oh. can't go. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy birthday anyway. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I'm, it's happy birthday to me uh, in that they're doing this stuff for Supergirl, but I can't be there to see it because I already made birthday plans and SDCC didn't consult me. <laughs> <laughs> Should have asked you first. Exactly. Um, well, for our last bit of news, Zack Snyder, uh, director of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, was spotted on the Supergirl set. Uh, according to those who saw him there, he is not working on Supergirl, just visiting. 
Uh, Snyder is finishing up Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice at Warner Brothers, and he just wanted to stop by, you know, how you get to do when you're Zack Snyder and can just stroll on set whenever you want. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that picture made me really happy because I'm, I'm a big fan of Man of Steel and, and Watchmen and Zack Snyder as a, as a filmmaker. So that was kind of fun to see two things that I'm excited about kind of cross over together. <laughs> totally. I'm kind of curious as to uh, as to what he saw. Like, I wish I could have been, been a fly in the wall for that visit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see what yeah. he commented on and what, you know, might be crossing over into the film universe versus not. Well, he has some experience with Supergirl because he worked on that uh, Man of Steel prequel comic with uh, Sterling Gates so, yes. uh, and David Coyer. So um, he, he definitely has a vested interest in the Supergirl character. So uh, I think he would be just as geeked out at seeing that set uh, as we would. Well, I guess that wraps up the news for this week. Um, so we wanted to just go ahead and get into our Smallville discussion. Um, we're going to be starting with a season eight episode called Bloodline. Um, and here's the official description from the CW. Clark receives an anonymous package containing the crystal that Tess found in the Arctic. When he removes the crystal, it activates and sends him and a visiting Lois to the Phantom Zone, where they run into Kara, guest star Laura Vandevort, Kara opens a portal for Lois to return, but Zod's wife, Feora, escapes with her and takes over Lois's body. A possessed Lois goes on a rampage in Metropolis. <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, we've obviously talked about uh, Kara in the Phantom Zone uh, when we talked about Supergirl the movie, which if you're listening now and haven't heard that one, we did talk, uh, have a whole episode devoted to uh, the Supergirl movie a ways back, so we would check that out. But what did you think about uh, Kara in the Phantom Zone this time? In this version. Well, this one is a little more violent and a little more dangerous. I, I always kind of felt like the Phantom Zone in Supergirl, the movie, was just kind of an isolated place. And, and if you were there, you, it almost felt like they were there by themselves. You know, Zoltar and, and Kara kind of just seemed to be the only people there. But with the Phantom Zone on Smallville, there, there are these things called zoners that fly around and attack people. And it's, yeah. it's much more dangerous. And, they, you know, the Kryptonians can get hurt. Uh, so it's, uh, it's definitely, it, it still has the, the vibe of the, uh, you know, the windy and desolate place with isolation and, and all of that. But, uh, it even, but this one even had, like, it looked like a river of blood. Like, there was this whole, yeah. like, <laughs> kind of gross, like, river of blood kind of a thing. And it had two sons that were there. So uh, it was definitely much more threatening than the one we saw in Supergirl the movie. So... I, I was definitely more concerned for everybody that was there. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly was more dangerous. Um, and I actually I, like, found it <laughs> much more interesting in a lot of ways. Um, now, there, there's something to be said for having the Phantom Zone be just a place of nothing, you know, because there's, there's a certain, you know, you can see how that would be a punishment, to be sent someplace that is attached to nothing, that is nothing, and you just have to be there forever. And that'll, you know, drive you a little bit crazy. Or a lot crazy. Um, but in this one, it was kind of more like a Mad Max kind of fandom zone where, mm -hmm. like, there's all sorts of danger and craggy rocks and, like, things coming after you. And the thing I wondered about the zoners is I wondered if the zoners – and I'm not sure if they ever really explain the zoners on the show – if the zoners are – just creatures that live in the phantom zone or if there may be like the spirits or souls of people of Kryptonians who have been sent there and have just been like so 
driven so mad by being there that they become this. Um, yeah, it's been a while since I've watched it because, uh, well, I mean, I rewatched Bloodline for us talking about it, but it's been a while since I watched the introduction to the Phantom Zone on Smallville because this was not the first time Clark had been in the Phantom Zone. All right. Um, so uh, I, 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 I don't quite remember the explanation of the zoners, but I want to say it is like the zoners are uh, like actual former Kryptonians because Feora uh, comes out as a, it, it almost seemed like Feora was the zoner who got out of the Phantom Zone and kind of attached herself to Lois's body. Yeah. So I, I think that's sort of the explanation. Yeah, and it's true. Like, cause I, then I was just wondering, oh, did General Zod get it on with a zoner? That's weird. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that'd be super creepy and weird. Um, so yeah, I figured I figured as much, but I wasn't one hundred percent clear. What did you think about Kara in the Phantom Zone? Uh, we see her kind of a little bit different than than we've seen her on Earth. So, what did you think about her being in the Phantom Zone? Yeah, I mean, it was clear that that. The f- being in the Phantom Zone had affected her. Um, and I had no sense of time as far as like how, because, you know, again, I'm, I'm watching these episodes with you, how long she'd been missing, you know, how long she'd been away, and, and this is the first time we're seeing her. Uh, but it seemed like however long she was there was enough to kind of make her really hard and really, it's like almost like she forgot a lot of the stuff that she kind of learned and picked up on earth like all of that person like that new personality seemed to have been like whittled down into this like hard survivalist mode which was really interesting because again in a place like that like that's is likely what would happen to anybody right um but i do appreciate that she's still for all of her you know needing to survive and and kind of being a little bit colder that she still agreed to send lois back and that you know despite her initial warnings about, hey, you know, a, a zoner can get out and, and wreak havoc on Earth. How much is, is this one person's life worth compared to, you know, the people that might die if something gets loose? Um, that ultimately she does help Clark get her back and helps both of them. I really liked that Clark seemed to respect Kara a little bit, uh, at least in my opinion, uh, on the fact that she wanted to protect Earth. That what she was doing, you know, she was staying in the Phantom Zone because she didn't want the Zoners to get out of there and get to Earth and cause a whole bunch of trouble. And I, I love that he says, you know, so you stayed here all this time fending for your life just to protect Earth? And I, I, I thought, like, for the first time, you know, he really kind of saw her as this hero in this protector and I really liked that because that's how I felt about her I I was like well that's that takes a lot of dedication to a cause to stay there even though it was making her hard like you say and it was kind of um, forcing her to fend for herself and um, being in danger but she was doing that to protect the entire planet and I yeah. thought that was really cool uh, to show her in that light because that, that really kind of made her more of a hero in my eyes yeah no it's, it's very true like she was prepared to, to be left behind and um, I mean I'd love to get into you know Kara and Clark's relationship because the fact that he did have that respect for her in that moment and like he didn't want to leave her there. Um, and I really love that moment when, you know, she, he wants Kara to come with them and he tells her, 
you're my family. You make me feel like I actually belong. Yeah. Um, which is, is a great line. And I, I love that moment between them because she was, you know, doing all of this, you know, obviously for to save Earth and for him as well. And, you know, it's like a, a really nice moment of taking care of each other that I thought was was cool. Yeah, because he was taking care of her in that moment. But she even says to him, you know, it was my destiny to find and protect you, not the yes. other way around. Mm-hmm. And so I like that they were both trying to look out for each other. And and even though a zoner does get out, um, you know, they try to do the best that they can for each other. And I, I really liked that aspect. And I love their relationship on Smallville. I have... I have my issues with Clark Kent on Smallville, yeah. um, you know, throughout the series, but I think their relationship is one of the stronger points in the entire show. And so I really especially liked them in this episode. And actually something else I really liked, um, because this is always something that gets me on any superhero show, is whenever superheroes have to hide their identity from the people they love to, quote, protect them. <laughs> and... That's just it. Just makes me want to punch them all in the face because it's such a like your loved ones are in more danger not knowing that all of this stuff is happening. Um, but I love that Kara advises Clark to tell Lois, right? Um, because and and she says, you know, Lois can handle it. Yeah. And I I love that she sees the strength in Lois and knows that Clark has somebody amazing in Lois, and that. You know, they they together are stronger than than just Clark trying to do all this by himself. Yeah, and that's kind of her one of the last things that she you know says to him before she <laughs> takes off and and leaves. And I, I like that before she wanted to go, she was like, you know, let me give you some good advice about this. And I, I did think that that was um, something that he needed to hear because I mean, Lois, even though I don't particularly care for this version of Lois Lane. You know, I'll give her some respect that she was in the Phantom Zone. Like, yeah. you know, Clark had to face the reality that there is a potential that this could happen again in some other situation where she's mixed up in all these problems. And I think Kara saw that, too, when when Lois ended up in the Phantom Zone. Kara recognized that this this is probably maybe not going to happen on the Phantom Zone, but some other crazy situation is going to happen. And she's probably more uh, protected if you tell her the truth. So I, I think there is something very wise about Kara and, and in that moment specifically. And I really like that barn scene just in general um, because it's, it's a very uh, typical small villain way to end an episode or to end like, you know, have kind of a, 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 a denouement is I think yeah. is what they call it. Um, <laughs> yep. uh, where they're kind of wrapping up a story and, they kind of go back over what is what has happened and kind of uh, wrap it up. And I like that this they took this moment to kind of send Kara off on a little journey and and to wrap up her her relationship with Clark in a way because she I like the moment where she says, uh, you know, you'll always be with me and you'll be close to my heart. And she has this like S shield necklace. And yeah. um, I think that's really cool because, yeah, she's given Clark advice on his, you know, potential, uh, romantic relationship. But at the heart of all of that, I think it was their relationship between Kara and Clark that was the more important thing there. And so I really liked that that was kind of put front and center there. So I really liked their interactions in this episode. Um, I'd have to say one thing that kind of 
surprised me, I guess, about this version of Kara, and I, I guess not just in this episode, but throughout, is that this particular Kara seems kind of resigned to being an alien. Like, of all the versions that we've seen, I think this one is the most, who's kind, the, the one who's the most willing to say, I'm never going to fit in here. Whereas every other version of Supergirl seems to, like, she, she wants to fit in. She wants to be a part of life on Earth. She wants to get to know the people she's helping more. This Kara is, is more like, okay, I need to go because I don't fit in here. But you do. And she kind of passes that off to Clark. Which I think is really interesting. I don't think it's, it's positive or, or negative necessarily. It's just something that stood out to me. Considering that so many other times we see Supergirl trying really hard to fit in and wanting to fit in, even if she doesn't. Um, this one's like okay with not fitting in and she's okay with leaving because she knows the planet's in good hands with Clark. I think that's a really great point and one I had not considered. Um, and I guess that's because I, I guess I've, I've seen, you know, we've seen uh, this version of Kara, like she, she tries to fit in. She tries to, you know, watch reality TV and hang out with Jimmy and do all of that kind of stuff. But there's, there's some, she has this kind of higher calling, I think, because she even in this episode talks about how she wants to go find Candor mm-hmm. and kind of go explore that and see what else is out there. So I think she does know that Earth is in good, capable hands with Clark. And maybe there are some other things that I, I, I find her full of purpose that she's like, oh, I can go and handle these things while you have this over here. And, uh, so I, I like to think of her more with purpose instead of kind of in opposition of Clark. Like Clark has these relationships with people, with Lois, with Chloe, with Oliver, with all these people. But Kara doesn't really have that. She doesn't have like a close-knit uh, family situation or friendship situations or romantic entanglements on Smallville. So she's kind of... If she didn't have Clark, she'd be kind of by herself. And instead mm. of seeing her as a lonely character, I like to think that she's full of purpose and, and full of uh, uh, a, a reason to keep going. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good point that she is sort of more alien, but I think deep down she has uh, a real heart for other people. I think it's really interesting that you bring up uh, her uh, Supergirl or Kara's loneliness and, and not wanting to be alone. Um, because those themes are definitely touched on in the next episode that we're going to be talking about, um, which is the season 10 episode, Supergirl. The official description from the CW for this episode says, Clark is stunned when Kara returns to Earth and tells him Jarrell sent her to stop the dark force that is coming because he doesn't believe Clark can handle it. Meanwhile, Lois confronts Gordon Godfrey, a shock jock radio DJ who has been crusading against heroes after he threatens the Green Arrow. However, after Godfrey is possessed by the Dark Force, he takes Lois hostage and Clark and Kara have to come to her rescue. So, uh, uh, I had seen this episode before, but it had been a while, probably since it aired. So, uh, what did you, uh, Teresa, think about Kara being super in the public eye? Yeah, it's especially in light of the last episode where she kind of seemed to do away with uh, wanting to be a part of Earth and all of that. Um, it was shocking to me to see this episode open with Supergirl being Supergirl, like the fully formed uniform and the you know, like, like the entire image she just kind of created and let loose on the world with one single action of, of stopping that sign from hitting people in front of cameras 
And I thought it was really interesting that she was so media savvy about doing that because it certainly wasn't planned. Like she does this at uh, one of Godfrey's events. He's, he's, you know, out there railing against the mutants and all the horrible heroes and vigilantes. And he's unveiling this, you know, poster for his book, I believe, against superheroes. And it's about to fall on the crowd that's going to hear them speak. And then she saves them. So it was almost like too perfect and too media savvy that this happened right when this conversation is going on. And, uh, and all of a sudden there she is in her fully developed wardrobe, hair flying in the wind. (laughs) I was like, wow, did she like, when she was away, did she like go to a, you know, publicist and like kind of study how to get like great optics? Well, my, my issue with (laughs) this episode goes even further than that because one of my big problems with Smallville is the way they use the Jarrell AI because they just use it however they want to use it. Like there are no rules to anything that is happening with this AI. And um, my big thing was she says, Kara says something about how the photo shoot that she does, like on top of the building with the American flag and mm-hmm. in her, you know, blue shirt with, you know, the cutoff shirt with the, the red skirt and the red boots and everything. She says that the photo shoot is a way to get her image around the city as quickly as possible, and then it was crucial to Jarrell's plan. And I was like, right. R- "Really, Jarrell told you to do a photo shoot? Like, what <laughs> is that about?" And the weird thing is, like, you never see those pictures anywhere in the rest of the episode. Like, what was the point of that photo shoot? It didn't make any kind of sense. So to I had, get Laura Vandervoort in a cute outfit—that's what. Well, the point sure, is. yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to do that, then be open about it. You know, just don't don't try to make it like it's some part of her mission. Like it's so. I always thought that was so dumb. Like, really, that's crucial to your plan. Okay, Jarrell, um, maybe get another plan. Uh, but. <laughs> You do realize that magazines have a long turnaround time. Like, you have to take pictures for a magazine, and then it takes a couple of weeks for that to even appear on newsstands. So right. unless your plan is really long and drawn out, like... <laughs> it's so so bizarre. But, I mean, we get some cool things in that little photo shoot scene where the photographer calls her the woman of tomorrow, kind of like Superman being the man of tomorrow and, and things like that. You know, an obvious homage to this, the Supergirl costume that's kind of fun. But that photo shoot thing in this episode, I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. Um, but for the most part, I did like that she, and I, I think we see this in many incarnations of Supergirl, is that she's more of the one to want to, to be in the public eye. Like she wants to be doing the superheroics. She doesn't really have a problem with hiding who she is. Like Clark, you even see Clark during that rally where she saves everybody. Like he kind of, he goes to save, you know, he goes to like catch the sign, but he's, he's not quick enough. Like she catches it before he does. And I think um, to me that showed that like she was more of, I'm not going to hide who I am. I'm just going to do it, even though he he wanted to do it too. But at the same time, he was more of trying to blend in with everybody else. So I think that was a great example of kind of how they're different and how they approach their superheroing. Because I think Clark would would want to, especially the Smallville Clark, he, he would have wanted to do it but kind of hide that he was doing it. Whereas Kara, I mean, even from one of her earliest 
episodes where she goes into the Daily Planet and she kind of breaks the elevator. Like, she doesn't care to use her powers in pu- oh, yeah. public. So, in front of people. <laughs> so I, I thought that was very character correct that she, you know, smiles for the camera and, and, and saves everybody. So uh, Definitely. I, I think that was pretty cool. And it's and it's not about her wanting to be in the public eye. It's it's more the second part of what you said than not wanting to hide who she is. Um, it's not like she wants to be a celebrity, you know. Like I don't think that's her her mo. She doesn't want to be famous for being a superhero. It's just that she doesn't feel the need to hide. She's like, I have these powers. I can use them to help people. Why should I keep that a secret? And I think it's interesting how they explore that theme in this episode. I, I like how they tie it to Green Arrow. Because he, unlike Kara and even Clark, is a known figure. You know, like he's a billionaire. He, everybody knows who Oliver Queen is. And so for him to eventually come out to the world and say, hey, I'm Green Arrow, is a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but even he is like, you know what? There's no reason why I have to hide this. Like I... And people need to know because you have this Godfrey guy running around kind of telling everyone, hey, these, you know, these vigilantes, you know, they're they're after their own agenda and, you know, they don't actually want to help us. They just, you know, whatever they want to do. And he wants to clarify that. He's like, look, I'm a billionaire who, you know, you know me. I've been around. You might not be entirely happy with corporations or whatever (laughs) or rich people, but I decided to do this because X, Y, and Z. And he wants to go forth and explain it rather than letting superheroes continue to get a bad rap. Right. Um, and it's interesting to contrast that with Kara and uh, Clark who aren't from this planet. Because I do think there's a difference in, in hiding your identity versus not. Um, if you're a human being like a, uh, like a Bruce Wayne or a, an Oliver Queen and keeping your identity a secret versus somebody that no one's ever heard of. Like no one's heard of Kara Zor-El. Nobody knows who that is. So her secret identity could actually be her real name and nobody would notice. Like if you said Supergirl is Kara Zor-El, who's that? I don't know. But you say, you know, Batman is Bruce Wayne. Everybody knows who that is. And they can target him really easily. So for, you know, Clark to hide his identity and to go to all these pains when he's like pretty much a nobody as Clark Kent, you know, (laughs) like I don't understand that. Well, and speaking of disguising themselves uh we got to see Kara's secret identity in this episode what did you think about that (laughs) that was so great I think she looks great as a brunette I have to Mm -hmm. say Mm -hmm. um Laura Vandervoort rocked that the brunette glasses combo perfectly um and she also kind of reminded me of Diana Prince too like it it kind of had that look to it for me like I, I looked at her and I was kind of thinking of like Linda Carter being Diana Prince, hmm. um, which is a whole other person. But I do love that she that she busted that out. Well, I, I thought it was funny that Clark even said, you know, you look different. Like, you know, uh, he he even was a little bit fooled by the disguise. So, I, yeah. I mean, it was it was clearly a way to kind of push Clark into the secret identity situation because up until then, like, you know, he wasn't really doing that. He didn't wear the glasses and. Um, right. He hadn't adopted some, you know, a, a different personality uh, for his Clark Kent uh, persona. But uh, I, I really liked that for Kara because maybe, you know, with that disguise, like we were talking about how like she doesn't really have a lot of relationships outside of Clark. You know, maybe that identity with the, you know, the brown hair and the glasses, that could be a way for her to 
kind of become a little more human and get to know people and open herself up to other people. So it's a shame we don't get to see that, but that's what I would like to think that that's what happened when she adopted that identity. Yeah. Well, and and it's funny because she she did have that conversation with Lois about people not seeing the person with the powers, Mm -hmm. you know, like they they see the powers first and then the person second. And yeah, like that's... if there is a reason to have a secret ident- identity, I think more than protecting the people you love, it's also so that you get to have a life outside of the saving people. Because, yeah, you know, you're, you're great at, you know, stopping big signs from falling on people or, or, you know, saving people from danger, but you're a person the rest of the time. So what do you do with that and how do you interact with people in your day to day? So, yeah. I, I too, I agree with you, Rebecca. I think, or I hope that she kind of went on some dates and like <laughs> had some friends and like went out and did fun things <laughs> that are not life or death. Yeah, because even uh, I, I believe in this episode, she talks about how um, she, uh, Kara says that she came up empty in the search for her mother and that she and Clark are the last surviving members of the House of L. So it seems like whatever, you know, search for Candor that happened at the end of the bloodline episode it, yeah. it was unsuccessful so i i would guess that her coming back to earth even though it's part of this artificial intelligence uh Jarell's mission uh, that she comes back because of this dark threat this dark side situation happening um i also think that like maybe her coming back to earth was a way for her to kind of come back to where her her family was because yeah. this this search for candor was was not something that she could pursue so uh maybe she came back for that so yeah i i would like to think that she she does kind of start over you know it's funny i i also wonder too um if the jorel thing even actually happened because correct me if i'm wrong we don't ever see them talk in this like with regard to this mission no, it's it seems like especially this episode and the prophecy episode, there's a lot of Jorel Kara stuff going on that doesn't involve Clark. And especially with this whole like him sending her to Metropolis and, and being out in the public eye, that, that seems to be something that went went on off screen behind closed doors in the Fortress of Solitude. Just yeah. the two of them. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing is like uh, for a while, like a little bit, I was thinking that maybe <laughs> Jarell was like her excuse to come and like be closer to Clark. I don't know. Like, especially when you think about the photo shoot and like, was that Jarell's idea? It's like, maybe it wasn't. Maybe that was just her idea. And she was saying, Jarell told me to do this. But really, it's her concern for Clark and whether or not she thinks he's able to to handle this. Like, because, you know, like she said in Bloodline, you know, it, it's her job to look after him, not the other way around. Um, and so a part of me was kind of thinking, I wonder if Jarell's even involved in all of this. What if, like, Kara is just taking her her job very seriously and is telling him this to kind of push Clark and to see if he's ready to take this on? Um, I, I think there is an amount of pushing Clark, but I think that's Jorel's doing, not Kara's. Um, because, like, we'll, we'll talk about in the Prophecy ep- episode, it 
Jor-El is on, and this again is not is what I don't like about this AI version in yeah. Smallville is that he's always pushing Clark to be something. He's always pushing, oh, this is your destiny. This is your destiny. And it, I always was kind of bothered by that. Like I think there is a point where like it's cool to have a destiny, but it's also something I don't like where you're pushed into it. Like you're forced. This this is your path. And you can't stray from this. And I always felt like Jarrell was pushing him into something that maybe he wasn't ready for. And right. so, uh, so, but I, I, I definitely think that whatever Kara was doing was because Jarrell told her to. Yeah. Um, and, and she went along with it because she thought she was doing the right thing for Clark. So that's kind of how I always took it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, although that's the thing with a destiny too, right? It's like, if it's actually your destiny, it'll happen whether you get pushed or not. Oh, exactly. Like, yeah. that's the whole point. Like, it's like, I don't need you pushing me, dad. If it's my destiny, it'll just happen <laughs> when it's supposed to. Um, but yeah, let's uh, talk about um, how Kara preps him and how, you know, because you know, she brings up the she she brings up the low blow of well, all this time on Earth, and you haven't even figured out your powers yet. Yeah, um, <laughs> which I was like, whoa, ouch! Like, <laughs> and um, but yeah, let's talk about that and how uh, how she taught him to to better embrace what he can do. Yeah, she took to flight pretty much right away. And um, I think that's always explained as, you know, she has been on Earth maybe a little bit longer than Clark, something like that. Um, But I I like the idea that she can do things that he can't because we see, you know, in season seven that he's teaching her how to use her heat vision and how to do the super hearing and all of that kind of stuff. But this is something, and I think he even mentions it in the episode, like, I liked it better when it was the other way around and I was teaching you. And so I like that she is able to kind of <laughs> one-up him a little bit. And mm-hmm. and I don't know if you know this, Teresa, but in the course of the history of the show, the, the reason that Clark never really took to flight uh, until season 10 was because he was afraid of heights. <laughs> yeah. that, that was part of the character was that he was afraid of heights and he... Um, he would he would sometimes do super leaps and jump off buildings and or bridges or something like that, but he wasn't real keen on being high up in the air. And so I, I thought it was interesting that instead of starting him a little bit on a lower ground, she takes him up on this big windmill. Yeah. It's very high <laughs> up in the sky and is like, okay, you know, just jump off. Um, but I liked the approach that she took with him because – when he didn't think he could do it, she found a way to get him to focus on that butterfly. And I liked the idea of that because it is symbolic. And even Man of Steel uses the butterfly as, uh, you know, a visual symbolism uh, of, you know, flight. And I I really like that idea because of the, the butterfly wings and all of that. And so I thought that was that showed she was a good teacher, actually, that she could sense, oh, what I'm telling him right now is not working. So let me find another way to explain this to him. Of course, it goes terribly wrong and he crashes through the barn. But yeah. at least but he she, starts for, yeah. for, for, for a second. He's doing it. <laughs> yeah, he, he gets up off the ground. And, that, and that's the important thing. And so at least that's a good flight 101 class that she's able to kind of give him and show him what's possible. Oh, now I just thought of, um, I don't know why this popped into my head, but have you seen the movie The Land Before Time? A long time ago. I used to be a huge fan. I used to have the um, Littlefoot. Is that the character's name? Yeah, the, I, uh, the main dinosaur. Yeah, I used to have a little stuffed animal, Littlefoot, but it's been so long since I watched it. 
<laughs> it just popped into my head because Petrie, who is the um, the little pterodactyl, right. one of them, uh, can't fly. And his mother never taught him to fly before they got separated. So they're trying to teach him and they're doing all this stuff to try to teach him. And uh, at one point he thinks he's getting it and he's flying up in the air and he's like, he's like, yay. And then he just falls. And, and then he's like, I flied. And they're like, no, you falled. <laughs> um, so that just popped into my head because I'm like, no, Clark, you falled. Yep. Um, but yeah, I do love that moment. And, uh, you know, regardless of, of his success or, or failure uh, in that instance, I did like that she gets to to teach him those things. Um, and that that's something else that I've noticed about this version of Kara, too, is that she does seem older and wiser, really. Like, uh, of, uh, and I think that's a great, you know, testament to, to Vandervoort's portrayal of her, is that you always kind of feel the older soul in there, you know? Um, even as Clark is trying to teach her stuff about Earth, and even that she's, she's new to this planet, she might not know certain things that are going on, but you always get a sense that she is indeed older and wiser than Clark is in so many ways. And I really do like that. And um, and even in this episode, when they're talking about this darkness that has come to Earth, the reason that Kara isn't affected by it is because she's pure of spirit. Mm-hmm. And I I really, really liked that. And I, I kind of was like, well, Clark, you should be pure of spirit, too. But <laughs> for some reason, he's not. But I, I like that Kara is kind of unique in that way, that she does have this wisdom to her and that she's pure of spirit because she genuinely seems to want to help people. And I I like that aspect of her character. Even if she doesn't feel like she's pure of spirit, she is, uh, no matter what she she feels like. And I, I like that about her. Yeah, I mean, and actually it's, it's interesting because uh, I, I love that they have the character who is kind of the most trouble, you know, like of the two of them. Like she's yeah. the one that always seemed to have the attitude and always seemed to like not care about breaking rules and fitting in or whatever. That she's the one that's pure of spirit. Whereas like Clark, the Mr. Goody Goody over there, like is the one that has some stuff to work out. And I think that is – you know, there, there's something to be said for her being older and wiser and kind of she's worked out her issues a little bit better than he has. And maybe, too, there's an element of like, you know, kind of Earth has corrupted him. Mm. Um, Earth has kind of taught him things that Kara never got taught because she didn't grow up there in the same way. And so, yeah, all the stuff about hiding who you are, all like uh, all that kind of guilt. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's like, for sure. It's like human beings taught him guilt and taught him to be ashamed of himself and taught him to like hate certain aspects of himself. And, and it's like, you know, yeah, until you get that sorted out, you're not very pure of spirit at the moment. Right, right. Well, we should probably move on to our last episode, which is called Prophecy. And it includes Kara's final appearance on the series. Um, so here is the official description from the CW. It says, Clark takes Lois to the fortress to get Jorel's blessing for their marriage. Jorel bo- uh, bestows a unique wedding gift on the couple. He gives Lois Clark superpowers so she can see what it's like to be him for a day. Unfortunately, the toy man has returned to Metropolis, so Lois has to go up against the notorious villain instead of Clark. Meanwhile, Oliver searches for the Bow of Orion, which he believes will remove the Omega symbol from his skull, and runs into uh, Kara, guest star Laura Vandervoort, who is also on a mission to stop Darkseid. 
And I thought it was it was really interesting having these two characters come together, especially in light of the last episode that we watched where secret identity versus whether or not to keep it. It seems like this show likes to parallel those characters a lot. So, yeah, what did you think about uh, Kara interacting with Oliver Queen in this episode? I loved it. I I wish they had done more episodes with the two of them. And I think this is the first time he's actually met her because he kind of acts like he doesn't know who she is. And uh, so I was like, that's a real shame because Oliver had been on Smallville since season six and Kara was introduced in set season seven. So it's like, OK, you waited <laughs> you waited this long to put them together. Um, yeah. But I loved it. I thought their interactions were really cute and they kind of played off each other really well because they had sort of differing personalities. Um, you know, Kara is more of the the get down to business kind of a, a, a hero and Oliver's, you know, cracking jokes and kind of having a little bit of fun with it. And I, I love their um, entire hunt for the Bow of Orion feels very Indiana Jones-ish. Yes, to me. I love that. And that was kind of the best part of the entire episode for me was because there was a, a lot of mystery and kind of having to solve these little uh, things that were in these caves and kind of figure everything out. So I, I, I wish it was a shame that this was like the penultimate episode for the entire series. Cause I would have wanted to see more of their interactions. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of the justice league unlimited versions of their characters and how they played off each other so well. So I really enjoyed it and it's a shame they never had more of them. Yeah, no, I agree. And I and it's true. This was the I forgot that this is the penultimate episode of the whole show. Yeah. Um so it's, it really did take them a long time to get them together, which is interesting considering the the things that they have in common and also the uh like you said, the way that they can play off each other. But I am also glad that there was never a hint of like romance between them either. Like oh, it was no, purely yeah. just like straight up like hero helping hero let's get through this cave, let's do this kind of, you know, rapport. I thought it was cool because it was almost like Oliver, because Oliver and Clark were really good friends on Smallville. And so I think I think it was kind of almost him working with Clark, even though Clark wasn't there. Because there, there, there is this mutual trust between Kara and Oliver. Um, Kara even says to him, you know, Clark trusts you, so I suppose that's enough for me. And I like that, you know, later in the uh, the episode, he turns it back around on her and says, you know, I, I trust you too. So I, I like that, <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. that there was no romantic hint there. It was just more of a, hey, let, let's work together on this mission that we've got. And, yeah, and obviously Supergirl has been coming in and out of this series since she was introduced. And now we've got her, this is the last episode that she's in before the finale. And I have to say, I mean, I, I was kind of hoping that she would be in the finale. So, um, well, what did you think about that? It's unfortunate. I, I think unfortunate and disappointing are probably the two words uh, that come to my mind because I think what they were what they were thinking on Smallville was we need to make the last episode about Clark and about him becoming Superman, which I understand. I get that. And I think that's appropriate because for 10 seasons, it was about him becoming Superman. But at the same time, it was like they didn't want to put Kara in there because they didn't want her to overshadow him in any way. And so they kind of just shoved her off the show. And I didn't really like that. She she um, she gets paged by Jarrell with this like noise in her head, which is so bizarre. It's like, how is this A.I. like 
sending audio signals to Kryptonians. Like I don't, I don't understand how the AI works. I just, they, they treat it like a living, breathing person. And I'm like, that really doesn't seem like that should be how that works. Anyway. Um, I, I, I hated the way Jor-El kind of put her down in that, you know, this is Kal-El's destiny, not yours. And, and when she goes to the Fortress of Solitude and he tells her, like, you have two choices. And there are only two choices. The, the, <laughs> the first choice is she can leave Earth now and allow Kal-El to embrace his destiny. Or, his, or her second choice is to stay and help Kal-El, risking the future of the planet. And it's like, really? That those are your two choices? Like, like she, she can't go back and forth. She can't like <laughs> live in more than one place ever. Like, yeah. yeah. And how does how does her helping Clark save Earth risk the planet? And I don't, you know, I don't understand how this Jorel AI knows that you know Kara's destiny is already written and that it's Clark's time to shine now. And I'm like, who who are you? Like, how do you know their destiny? Are you seeing in the future? Like, have you had because um, I know they had the Legion of Superheroes at the end of season eight, you know, like, did did they tell you something, Jarrell? Like, well, I don't understand how this, like, I just, I don't understand. But I, I thought it was just kind of a sucky ending for her. She doesn't get to wrap things up with Clark. She doesn't get to have a moment. She's just in the fortress, like, oh, I have these two choices, and it's obviously going to be me leaving Earth, and... I don't get to stay here with my only family. And it's just like, this is a bunch of nonsense. (laughs) I just, I thought it was such a shame for Laura having put in all that effort into being such a good Kara and a good Supergirl. And I think it's really strange because like in Superman, the animated series, and we'll talk about this episode um, a little bit later in Supergirl radio, but you know, at the end of Superman, the animated series, yeah, they could have made it all about Superman. But the last episode of that series has a very heavy emphasis on Superman and Supergirl's relationship. So I'm like, yeah. why, why, why couldn't you have done something akin to that here? So I think it's a shame that they didn't do something better for her. Yeah, well, and, and that's just it. Like, you can't, how, how are you going to say that a, a, an ending or what have you is all about Superman without including the things that are important to Superman mm-hmm. and the people that are important to Superman. Like, there's surely a way to include his family. I mean, obviously they're including Lois, you know? <laughs> so how do you not include his only living Kryptonian family in his finale? I don't know. Yeah, and, um, and for Kara in this episode, like, <laughs> I was sort of laughing when I was watching it because... Like, I know they were trying to play up the whole, like, Clark and Lois were going to go get married, you know, at the end of the series, which I kind of still laugh about because the whole two-part finale, like, the first hour is them talking about their wedding, and then they never end up actually technically getting married. And I was like, well, this is a big fat waste of my time. Um, (laughs) But but I was sort of laughing because Kara is the only Kryptonian in this episode who is actively trying to save the world. Like she and Oliver are trying to find this thing to help defeat Darkseid, whereas Clark is over here trying to deal with superpowered Lois. So I was like, okay, well, you're you're not going to reward Kara for having tried to save the world. And I guess maybe that's part of Jarrell's point is that Clark needed something to push him to become Superman. But I was just like, ugh, come on. Well, Kara's the only one trying to save the world. 
Yeah, she's the only one doing it. And I love how in the beginning of the season, Jorel seemed to think that Kara was more up to the challenge, you know? So, like, all of a sudden, now she's not good enough. Like, now that now that Clark's gotten to where he needs to be, you can F off. Um, yeah, it's so bizarre. <laughs> because it's weird. So, I think we can agree we weren't terribly thrilled with how Smallville ended Kara's run. But I do think that for the most part, I really enjoyed this version of Kara and she's probably yeah. one of my favorites. And, uh, I, I liked for the most part, the Kara Clark relationship. And I thought Laura Vandewort did a really great job. Yeah. I have to say like that, uh, you know, again, I never watched the show when it was on. I was watching these episodes along with you for the podcast and, yeah, you know, we could talk about how cheesy the show is in a lot of ways and how, like, certain things like the Jor-El AI are, are very much like, you know, the teleporter on Star Trek Voyager where they just kind of use it when they need a plot thing to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but bottom line, this version of Supergirl, I think, is one of my favorites as well in that you really get a sense of the character's real age, and I like that. Because um, so often we think about... Supergirl is like a teenage superhero, but she is supposed to be older than Clark. And I think that this show did a really good job of kind of showing us like the wisdom behind the youthful exterior. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, th- so throughout, we kind of got to see that. And, and you know, I think that's, like you said, in large part due to Laura Vandervoort's performance. So good job, Ms. Vandervoort. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, and I hope actually that, you know, they'll find a way for her to make an appearance on the new Supergirl show too. Yeah, Uh, I want to say that Andrew Kreisberg tweeted about it at one point. So I I think there's totally a possibility that that could happen, just like it happened on Smallville with Helen Slater and Laura Vandervoort. I think there could be a passing of the torch there. So hopefully they'll find a way to work her in. Well, I think that does it for our discussion this week on Smallville. Thank you for listening along with us, and we hope you've caught up on some episodes along with us. And now let's get into some listener feedback. We got an email from a listener named Scanner51 who wrote in saying, quote, DC just wrapped up its big convergence crossover, which had to do with the multiverse. Also, with the sighting of a single object in the Flash season finale, we now have the possibility of the multiverse in the Flareverse. So I was wondering if you ladies think it would be a good idea to introduce the multiverse on Supergirl in her second or third season by having her meet Kara Zor-El, a.k.a. Power Girl (laughs) slash Supergirl of Earth 2, unquote. So what do you think, Teresa? Would you like to see Power Girl on the show? Um... You know what? I think so. Uh, if only because I, from what little I've read so far, I like it when they get together. It's always an interesting time when the Karas are in the same spot. Um, I mean, obviously it would depend on the writing and what the storyline is, but uh, anytime you can get two really interesting female characters in a room together to do cool stuff and possibly save some people or <laughs> try to be the dominant superhero, as the case may be, I'm all for that. So, yeah, I'd love to see that. If, if they can make it work in a way that is not ridiculous, then yes. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of Power Girl until we started talking about her on this podcast. And now I would really like to see her because I like seeing Supergirl with characters that are sort of like her. 
you know, you have some of those villainous kind of versions of her, like, you know, uh, the the dark Supergirl and some of these kind of imposter Supergirls. And, and so Power Girl would be kind of fun because she's not necessarily a villain. She's kind of like Supergirl in, in the fact that she is the Supergirl of Earth, too. So it'd be fun to see her with somebody who was similar to her, who had the same kind of powers, who could identify with some of her struggles. So, yeah, I don't know if it's something that you would you would want to see in the first season because I kind of feel like season one should be setting up who this Kara is and who this right. Supergirl is. But maybe sometime down the line, yeah, it would it would be fun to see uh, a power girl. And if, 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 you, if you can make a multiverse happen on the flash, I don't know why you couldn't do it on Supergirl. So uh, I think that would be really fun to see. Definitely. And yeah, like, like you, uh, my power girl experience so far has been limited to what we've kind of read uh, for this podcast, but I actually just read an advanced issue of uh, a comic that's coming out this week. Um, it's Harley Quinn's book, which is coming out this Wednesday and it's a Harley Quinn power girl team up. Oh, cool. Um, and it's it's really fun. It's um, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor uh, working on it right now. And um, I read the first issue and I was like, oh, my God, this is kind of great. Watching those two of all people team up. And <laughs> I really liked Power Girl in that, too. So I'm probably going to be reading more of, of that character. So, yeah, yes to Power Girl. <laughs> Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we're also available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review, s'il vous plaît. Uh, And thank you so much to Foxgrad and Ms. Rotten, or Ms. Rotone, uh, for writing us reviews on iTunes. We definitely appreciate them, and we see them, so thank you so much. And we are part of the DC TV Podcast Circle, so if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, and the upcoming Legends of Tomorrow, subscribe to our DC TV Podcast Mega Feed and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. And you can also find me uh, on the Mary Sue. I'm one of the assistant editors there. That's themarysue.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Teresa Jacino. My blog is the Teresa Jacino Experience. And you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Teresa Jacino Experience. You can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. And that's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. Well, till next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. And remember, there's two sides to everyone. Even heroes. Heroes.